If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So, Without further ado, let's get started with this next started. So we're going to discover my lead conversion system that will have new potential clients begging to retain your firm. That's a pretty bold statement. Um, let's talk about that real quick. So what I promise that we're going to do today is I'm going to show you how to change the paradigm inside of your consult room um, or whatever, wherever you meet with your potential new clients from your, your prospects saying, why should I retain your firm to having them say, Will you take my case? That's my goal in what we're going to talk about today. I, I want them literally begging you to be their lawyer. I mean, they are in pain. They are struggling. Um, and we need them to want to do business with you. All right. Again, some new stuff. Beg for forgiveness for you today. We're, we're going to be using video for the first time. So um, some things that I normally could get away with, like sounds in the background that you won't hear, you're going to hear now when I turn on the other audio. So I, I got to pay attention to a few different moving parts today. I think I can juggle it. The second thing we're going to talk about is the blueprint for converting new clients at will uh, with results so amazing. Your peers will assume you're paying your clients to hire your firm. I mean, really, that's what happens here because you see your, your competitors they won't see what you're doing on the front side because this is what you're doing to all of the prospects you already have coming in. So we're talking about converting people better, uh, converting prospects at a higher rate. And so you're going to see an uptick in your business just because you do this. And yet your competitors won't see a new TV ad or radio ad or, you know, what billboards, whatever. They won't see the stuff that everybody else typically judges you by. They're just going to see, you know, more case filings or you in court more often or 341s or whatever, right? Uh, if you're a PI firm and they don't see the settlements, it'll be seeing you drive a Mercedes, I guess, or new Mercedes. Um, anyway, the third thing we're going to talk about is the superpower that trumps all superpowers, um, which will allow you to tell the common touting, um, the con men uh, touting new leads by getting you to the top of Google to go pound sand. This is a big one for me um, because the the guys and gals out there that are salespeople that, listen, I'm nothing against salespeople that, but they sell swamp juice and perfume bottle. Like they promise you that, you know, they're going to change your practice by just giving you a new lead source or making it the top of Google, or, you know, they're going to deliver you a new client every day because of their fantastic marketing. Um, I've, I've tried most of them. Most of them just quite frankly don't work. And if I was able to get them work to work, it was because I was able to use a system that nobody else was able to use. A lot of times I, I talked to other law firms that were saying, you know, all oh, that lead source is lousy for whatever reason. And I would say, geez, it works great for me. And they would wonder why or how, or maybe they didn't believe me. And the reason they believed or it worked great for us is because of the system that we use. Okay, so let's keep moving. All right, so the goal is to get you to freedom. And 
many of you are in chaos right now. Uh, you're, you're struggling, uh, and I'll, I'll define that in a bit. Um, and the idea is here's, here's where we are today, and here's where we want to be, one of, one of these stages. Um, and it, it usually takes like three years. And just to set the tone, I, I, everything I'm going to talk about today, you can take something out of it and fix your practice tomorrow and, and see some results happen. But that's a stepping stone in the way to gain your freedom. Nothing I'm teaching you is the ultimate easy button answer. Everything that I teach um, really comes from the perspective of there's a bunch of building blocks that need to go together to make you, help you achieve freedom. And so today's building block is a pretty big one. Um, but here's what this looks like. For those of you that I feel like you're in chaos, here's how I define it, right? That you're in debt, you work seven days a week, you've got no time, you can't get home in time for dinner, you can't take a vacation without your cell phone or laptop, you know, thinking about taking July off, not happening. Um, Fourth of July is around the corner. You think you're going to be working while everybody else is partying because it's on a Tuesday. Um, you've got no money. In other words, you, you just, you know, some attorneys I meet are making less than the poverty level. I'm hoping that's not anybody on this call, but but if you are, I feel bad for you. you it doesn't, but, I, but there's hope. You don't have to be there. Um, and, and you don't have a plan. So if, if you wanted to retire in the next five or 10 years, like there's just no plan in place for you to accomplish that goal. You oftentimes have to work seven days a week. If you're in the stage of what we call insanity, uh, you're, you're living month to month. Like if you have staff at all, you're, you're scared shitless, excuse my profanity, um, when payroll comes around. Um, you work six days a week because you have to be there. The, the business stops if you stop. And you don't have profit, you, you have your base, your, your draw, maybe a W-2, but usually a draw. Um, and it just doesn't work for you. If you do nothing, by the way, between today and, and three years from now, you'll probably have no change whatsoever. It probably won't be much worse. It's definitely not going to be any better. Uh, it just doesn't do it on its own. You've got you've to proactively move the needle yourself. Um, after 30 years of being an entrepreneur, I can tell you I know that from personal experience. I, I wish I could get it through osmosis, but I can't. Um, if you're a healthy business, that means your staff runs your firm. You're still there five days a week, but like if you could take your vacations, you could take times off, time off, you can get home in time for dinner, you could be gone on weekends. You don't have to work uh, seven days a week. And, and if you're not in the office, the, the office can still run because you have other people running it. And you, and you make profit. Uh, maybe not as much profit as you'd like, but you make profit. Um, and there's ways to improve on it, but you're in a good place. It's, it's a good place to be for a law firm. Um, and then ultimately there's free, you know, and that's freedom stage is where you've got at least a half million dollars in liquid. And, and I don't say that because of any other reason. We all know you can't retire. Well, most of us know you really can't retire well on a half a million dollars, but it's a sign that you're, you're putting money away every single year and you're growing that uh, your, your net value on liquid cash. And we're not talking about the value in your home. We're not talking about your commercial real estate that's paid off. Although those things are all good and I'm not suggesting you shouldn't do it, but you, you've got liquid cash you can touch. Um, and you can work three days a week if you want to. Uh, and you have what I call passive income, which is whether you want to roll over or roll out of bed in the morning, you make money. Some of you want to be lawyers forever, and that's great. Um, and you certainly should do that if that's what you want to do. Some of you want to be business owners. Um, whatever it is you want to do, the point of the freedom stage is you, you, can, you can do it. Whatever you want to do, you can do it without having the stress of income or, um, or debt um, or being able to take time off. Uh, the, the thought is, can we, the question I always start with is, could we go from now to a year from now achieving freedom? And I've, I've watched it happen. Now, it's not easy. It takes a tremendous amount of work. I'm, I'm watching a few members do it now. Um, and when they implement at the level that they're implementing, um, 
it can get tough really quick. Um, but there is light at the end of the tunnel uh, for those folks because they're just they're doing so much. Now, I, I do caution everybody to temper how much they can handle with their family and their spiritual life and their, their mental health because it can be overwhelming to do it quickly. But it's possible taking the systems I talk about to accomplish that. All right. So uh, the next question really is, why should you listen to me? I, this is where we're going to start video. So here's what's going to happen. Okay. I'm going to turn the, I've made it so it doesn't just start on click. I have to actually click on it. So here's what's going to happen. For those of you who joined since I've started talking, it looks like we've had, you know, 20 or 30 people join since I've started talking. Today we're, cover, we're covering a topic that's really near and dear to me. I'm going to use video uh, in my presentation, which means I'm going to have to toggle between a couple of mics. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, the first one I wanted to try was the, um, the kind of our testimonial reel for no other reason. It's, it answers the question, why should you listen to me? But it also helps me get started with this video thing because if this isn't working, I, I know what I got to do to pivot um, and I'll have to do everything manually. But I, I think we're going to be in great shape because I've tested it a bunch of times. So I'm going to switch over the mic. I'm going to hit the video and then I'm going to come back, turn the mic back so I can talk. When you hear the video, just do me a favor. As soon as you hear the video, just type in the chat. I can hear it. This way I know we're in great shape, okay? Just type in the chat that I can hear it. And by the way, if you're, if you're not, if you're in your car, like don't freak out. It's okay. This replay will be available for you. We'll have the transcript available. Um, don't worry about watching the video if you're in your car. Um, as we do more videos later, if you're not in your car, I want you to have a pen and, pe pen and paper handy. So if you're not like... If your door's not closed, you're trying to do 10 other things, this is not one of those webinars or live webcasts that you want to be... Um, that you, you want to be like missing, paying attention to and taking notes on. This is one you're going to want to take notes on. So, so let's try this. All right. Since I've been working with Rich, I've been a year, my business doubled in terms of revenue. I've been in the program for two years. My business has doubled and tripled throughout that time. My business is more than quadrupled. My numbers are going crazy. I think the most important thing that Rich teaches us is to develop systems. I didn't realize how badly I needed the systems. Systems should run your practice and people should run your systems. This is a game changer. I think it'll help me to be able to maximize the time that I spend with clients and increase my conversion rate, which is what I'm doing it for. There's no better service to the community than you being profitable. I've been in this program for about two years and I love this program. My business has grown, but I'll tell you what I love most is that through this program, I've learned how to dream again. There we go. You can hear me again now. Uh, that's it. Uh, I want you to be able to dream again. Um, I find lawyers, when I first meet them, they're stuck uh, and they're not dreaming anymore uh, because uh, they just feel like they're in a trap. Uh, they love what they do. They love the meaning, the, the, the difference that they make in people's lives, but they find themselves stuck. So my goal is to help you dream, and that's why we're here today. Let's see if we can help you uh, start that dream again. This is going to be a pretty cool session. So uh, in order for us to do that, we have to go through the same process we always do, which is we have to momentarily set aside all disbeliefs and genuine distrust of all things too good to be true. I get it. I'm working with attorneys, have been for over a decade now. But for today, let's start with this question. How can we make this work? Can we start with the, you know, I know I'm going to small town. I know my practice area. It might be a little bit different. I know my staff, you know, been with me forever and they're not going to change, but I'm willing to come at this and go, how can I make this work? I'm going to try to find one thing Then how can I make this work? So give me a, give me a yes. If you, if you're, if you're willing to make this work, just type yes in the chat. Okay, great. So that's the idea. I, I want to know that, that you're willing to at least come today to this today and go, okay, one thing, 
just one, I'm going to try to figure out how to make this work. All right, so let's let's do what we always do and start the right way. I'm not going to unmute everybody because, well, maybe I will. Uh, let's see if I can do it. Can I do it without completely screwing everything up? Yeah, I can. So here's what we'll do. We're going to take the oath together. I'm unmute everybody. You're all going to hear each other. There's going to be echoes. It's going to be nasty, but we're just going to do it real quick. Repeat after me. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. My business. My business. Not different. It's not different. From yours. From yours. There you go. We're muted again. That was nasty. Anyway, I probably won't do that again. It was kind of echoey. But thank you for taking the oath. That's the point, right? My business isn't different than yours. I, you, you all know, all, many of you know all the different businesses I've been in. I've now worked with uh, hundreds of attorneys in hundreds of different practice areas. Okay, so let's get started. We're going to dive into the perfect client life cycle. It's the foundation of everything that I do. Um, we kind of pivot off of this. Today, we're going to be looking at this as a whole, but, but differently. We're going to really take a micro look at it. Many people say, how do we accomplish the goals of moving the needle in these different areas? Um, for those of you who've never seen this before, this is basically how we measure the life cycle of a lead through your firm. Um, we measure how many leads that you get versus how many appointments that you set versus how many people show up to the appointment versus how many new clients versus how many get uh, are paying their bill in full versus how many refer your business. And then we look at the percentages of each and, and moving the needle in that is really important. And I've talked about how to do this at a global scale, but now I want to show you how to do this. Um, and, and what I find is that when I say this to attorneys, they have a general assumption of, oh yeah, like I get that. I, I already kind of know that. That's, that's something we already know inherently in our firm. I go, okay. So I say, well, let's take a deeper cut at it. You know, what, do you, what assumptions are you making about your law firm? And so we're going to look at assumptions for a second. I'm going to show you a video that kind of gives you an idea of what happens when you make an assumption, right? We all know the old saying, when you assume you make it out of you and me, right? But Here's an interesting, funny video that start off, start us off right to talk about the assumptions people make. Again, I'll switch our mic. Here we are together all alone in the still of the night. Our heart skips a beat when you're next to me in the still of the night. Well, here we are, just you and me like this. I don't know about you, but I, I get every time I see it, I get a kick out of it. I mean, the look on that guy's face was just priceless, right? Just priceless. Right there. That look that he gave right at the end is just priceless to me. Um, but here's the thing. He made an assumption, right, about whatever his ability to convince some woman to come to his hotel room that doesn't even know. And you can almost see her skin visibly crawl as he gave her that key. And then she turned the tables on him. 
the question is, what assumptions are you making about your law firm? And, and of course, we're not talking about dating and we're not talking, assuming you're making assumptions like he made in your law firm. But what I'm saying is, are we making assumptions about what's happening inside of our perfect client life cycle? Remember, my grandfather always said that um, in business, three things are happening. It's what you want to be happening as the owner. It's what you think is happening in the owner as the owner. And then it's what is actually happening in your law firm. And, and so he's right. He's been right all these years. And, you know, I had, I had to learn it the hard way. And so my job is really to help you take a look at your law firm from a different perspective. And so I believe you shouldn't assume instead, we really need to micromanage the client experience. Now, micromanaging has a negative connotation um, in today's world. Certainly with some millennials, um, they don't like being micromanaged. I don't know that anybody really likes being micromanaged. But when it comes to micromanaging the client experience, okay, this is different. This is basically saying we're going to put everything under a microscope from the way we generate leads all the way through to the way clients refer us. And the way that we do that is we really take a microscopic look at a law firm. And the, so years ago, uh, I still do it occasionally, but very rarely when I would allow myself to be hired for a full day and go out to a law firm and I would do a complete audit of their firm. Um, I don't do it for a number of reasons. One, my rates are, you know, they're not, they're not cheap. And the other thing is that I really preferred to build a business that I'm home with my family and I didn't want to be on the road. But when I did it, the thing that I did first was I acted like a drop of blood in the law firm's um, uh, system per se. And, in other words, I wanted to, I wanted to get into all the capillaries of the firm. So I wanted to be treated like a prospect from the, for the first phone call to my first meeting and all the way through. And so that's what I did. I, some people call that mystery shopping, but this was a really deep intensive, right? Because I actually really wanted to go through and, and identify all the different parts. And so through the years, I've been trying to articulate what I meant by um, a, a full-on mystery shop or this drop of blood concept. And so I made a video many moons ago. I've made a couple of them now that kind of identifies what I call micromanaging the client experience. And these videos have been as long as like 13 minutes. And today what I did was, rather than sitting here watching a 13 minute video that can be very laborious and, and tedious to pay attention to, I've broken it up into clips. And the clips I've broken it up to it are the six different stages of the perfect client life cycle. Um, and basically this is just gonna give you a glimpse. And, and some things I had to edit out for time. Um, but, but mostly you're going to see it in its entirety, uh, this video. And so the idea is, is I want to show you a video clip. Okay. And we're going to talk about a specific section section, and then I'm going to unpack for you what lessons there are to be learned inside that section. Your job is to take notes. Like you got to watch the clip. And I want you to take notes while we're watching the video to see if you can pick up on what they did, because the number one question I get like all the time when I show this video to people who've never seen it before, even to people who saw it before but forgot about it, is can I get a copy of that to show my staff? Like that's the question everybody asks me because it really gives a visual depiction of what we all would love our law firm to be doing in some ways. Um, so I'm going to play the video 
I want you to take some notes and then I'm going to go through each clip of the video and I'm going to unpack it for you. So you're not going to worry about missing anything. And this is how we micromanage the client experience from the moment they walk in as a lead until the moment that they go out the other end referring you business. All right. What are those red lines, Jason? The red lines is me not turning off the annotations. And that means I let other people draw on the screen before I got to it. And I don't know how to get rid of them and I don't want to stop. So I apologize for those red lines, Jason. That's what those red lines are. Um, so any other questions you're free to my wife says erase erase any annotations you have done clear clear your own annotations so my wife is telling me that there's an eraser well that's good but i can't find it and i'm not going to worry about it right now nope i'm not going to worry about it right now we're going to just go back to chat there we go all right i know that was a private message from my bride she did this last time too she's she's probably so fed up with me okay here we go we're going to listen to this section and i'm going to unpack it for you okay this is me raw. I don't know if you guys ever been on webinars with me. This is raw, right? I'm not, this isn't, um, this isn't a sales presentation. This is a raw presentation for you to learn from. This is news you can use featuring attorney Robert Jones. Are you struggling with debt? Are collectors constantly harassing you and threatening to take legal action? Well, with me today is author and attorney Robert Jones to discuss his book, Get Out of Debt Now revealing the truth about filing bankruptcy. Now, if you want the book, it sells on Amazon for $24.97, but you do have a special offer for us today. That's right, for the next 30 minutes, we are offering a free copy of the book, but we're not stopping there. We will also waive the $150 fee on our consultation, and if you decide to file for bankruptcy, we will show you how to save $300 by filing with us. All right, that's all wrapped into one. Go to getoutofdebtnow.com or call 601-323-2500 now. Okay, so that was a, a very short clip of a two-minute spot um, that we've done successfully with bankruptcy attorneys and other attorneys. And this was basically using the book as a lead. Now, we're, we're going to talk about this because in lead generation, the way the leads come in make a big difference as to how we convert them, Okay. So we're gonna talk about this just a little bit. I'm gonna do this erase thing to see if she says I can erase. Oh, look, I can erase. Thanks, Maria. Okay, got it. All right, so um, here's what we're gonna take a look at. So the notes are in lead generation. When we think about leads coming in, what did we learn from this video? So the first thing that we learned is we want to start with ACE, Authorship Celebrity Expert. So I've done a session on this in the past, and, and I'm probably going to go deeper on this in the future. But here's what is important to know, that when you write a book and you use a book in your marketing, uh, whether you give the book away or not, but being mentioned as an author with a printed book and having a copy of the book with you, positions you in a way that separates you from your competition and gives you authorship. Uh, if you use it in your media, it gives you celebrity. And if you have somebody else interview you, like I had that commercial done, you end up with expert status, A-C-E, authorship, celebrity, and expert. It's so important that we do that in our lead generation. Where, and that's why the value of the book is there. Now, there's lots of ways to use the book. And one of my favorites is offering it as a lead magnet. Now, in this particular case, um, you'll notice that he, that Robert Jones offered the book as a lead magnet. So he did his lead wasn't saying, "Hey, get a free consultation or call our office for a consultation." 
He used that on the backside. We'll talk about that in a second. But what he did is he offered it the book as a free lead magnet. Now, there is a reason why that's so important, and we won't spend a lot of time on it. But suffice it to say, in uh, any type of marketing scenario, there are skimmers and there are divers. Skimmers are ones who they don't want to take action right now. Divers are ones who are ready. They, they're in such pain. They need to do something right now and call your office. The skimmers, if you offer a diving opportunity, call for a consultation today, and you don't offer anything for the skimmers, you miss out on the skimmers. And they, you won't catch them again unless you're in front of them when they're ready to make a diving decision. So offering a lead magnet gets the skimmers as well as the divers. Now, what's interesting is some of the skimmers um, are willing to be a diver when they get on the phone with you. We'll talk about that too. The, the next thing you want to learn from that is that there was a deadline. Uh, it, was, it was vitally important that there was a deadline. The story goes, we, before I used the deadline, we were generating about 10 leads per spot. After we added a deadline, we went to 80 leads per spot. That's all we did, added the deadline. I just said, there's 27 copies available. Boom, we, got, we went from 10 leads to 80 leads, just like that. I've seen it happen with uh, other members of my world, like Jamie Miller went from 10 to 150. I, I mean, it's just, the, I've, I've seen it every single time work. Deadlines work in direct response marketing. Direct response marketing may not be something you're used to hearing, but that is the style of marketing I propose we use in a law firm. And it's the, law, the style of marketing I use to build the law firm in Phoenix from two guys in a room on $0 in gross sales to $3.5 million in annual gross sales uh, in just a couple of years. Um, the next thing you want to do is you want to give the consult a value. So many of you offer uh, your consultations for free. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, what, what you miss is you don't put a value on your consult. So when you offer it for free, you just assume that everybody knows that they're free and that everybody expects them to be free. And because you offer them for free, there's no value. But many of you solve some pretty significant problems inside of your initial consultations. And while giving it away for free is fine, um, and, and whether you give it away for free is an entirely different conversation. But if you choose to give it away for free, is fine. I, what I want you to do is give it a value. So if you normally charge $300 an hour, $400 an hour, whatever your normal hourly rate is, and your consults are normally a half an hour, 45 minutes, just take the basic hour value of, what, of the consult you were going to do and put that on there as a, as a value, right? So if you're $400 an hour and you're a half an hour consult, it's $197, right? So that way the consult has a value. You're giving something of value away as a bonus. And then offer it as a free bonus, right? So that's the key. You offer it as a free bonus. Um, and so uh, it, what happens is they select the lead magnet, but we, we hit their s subliminal psychology and let them know, oh, there's also a consult available. Now, not everybody's going to take it. We're going to talk about that in a second. But this way, we let them know that it's available to them. Um, but we don't lead with the consult and bonus the book. We lead with the book and bonus the consult. Major marketing advantage there. Okay. Let's watch this next clip. Um, was it supposed to be a static? Yeah, uh, Eric, it was supposed to be a static image. Yeah, um, I didn't want to show you somebody else's commercial, so I, I made one up. Uh, so yeah, this is me making a faux commercial for you. Um, that was to avoid me having to show somebody else's commercial all the time. Uh, my experience with that is at some point they get tired of people calling their office going, hey, I saw your commercial. I'm Richard James' promotional video. Can you tell me more about it? You know, so that was why I made it a static image. Uh, but yours shouldn't be a static image if you're making a video, like a commercial like that. 
Okay, so let's play this. Uh, this is now setting the appointment. So stage one, micromanaging client experience, we're generating leads. Now we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes of the conversion. So now they, they've become a lead, they've raised their hand, they've identified that they're interested in doing business with you and we're gonna start talking. Nancy immediately called the number so she could get a free copy of the book and when she reached the firm, she was greeted warmly by a pleasant woman named Gloria. So tell me, Nancy, who referred you to our firm? Well, I saw the ad on TV. I do have some openings later today or tomorrow. Which works better for you? Um, if it's okay with you, I'd really like to get a copy of your book and read it first. Absolutely, we can do that for you. I'll have it sent out right away, and we'll send you a copy via email, too. I'll even call you in a few days just to make sure that you got it. That's great, Gloria. Um, okay, so there it is. We've got the mic on and you can hear me talking. So what happened in that session was uh, the book was offered, but Nancy didn't schedule an appointment, right? So let's talk about that because this is really important. So you won't set 100% of your lead magnets. So if you choose to use lead magnets in your perfect client life cycle, in your lead generation, it's going to be a challenge for your staff. If your firm is a firm who like got most of your business from referrals and your staff is used to scheduling everybody into a consult, this will be frustrating to them. They'll actually think the leads are less quality. Here's the secret to this, and this is what most people don't get, right? So if I, let's take my previous example. So if I had... Um, if I had 10 or eight people schedule appointments when I offered my appointment as a lead generation tool and I had 80 people schedule call to, for a lead, right? For a book. Um, but I only schedule 30% of the ones who call in for a book into consults, which is better for me. Well, you see in the first example, I scheduled eight appointments. In the second example, I scheduled 24 appointments, right? 30% of 80 is 24. So the net net result when using a lead magnet is you will schedule less people into an appointment on the very first call. About 30% is your sweet spot, especially if you're using a script that we'll talk about in a second. But the, the net result of the 30% of the lead generation that you got as compared to 100% of the people who called to set an appointment is a lot larger number. This is why you use um, lead generation from a lead magnet as opposed to lead generation directly to a consult. Uh, that's why I favor it as my, the tool to use. You know, you have to train your staff because otherwise they're gonna get really upset by this number. Um, now, we follow the 11 steps. I admitted it here because I did an entire training on the 11 steps um, a number of months ago. It's available to you. All the trainings, by the way, that I do um, are still up on uh, webcast4attorneys.com. That's webcast4attorneys.com. But uh, so you can go there and grab it. Or you can email us if you can't find it, richard at the richardjames.com. Um, and I, I've trained deep on the 11 steps. I'm not going to go there, but know that, that Gloria did follow the 11 steps. Now, what was important inside of there that, she, that I wanted you to make sure you heard was that she built the relationship. And you didn't really hear her build it, but you heard it on the end. When she recapped the call, the way she tied a bow on it and, and formalized the relationship is she talked about Nancy's son, Nathan, 
right? And so she, when you are on the, when your person's on the phone with people setting appointments, the most important thing that they should do is, is use two ears and one mouth and listen twice as much as they speak and make sure they're looking for the story behind what's going on inside of that prospect's world. And then come back and refer to the story or their sons or their daughters so that not only do we let them know we care, because remember, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care, but also because they, we let them know that we listened because most people don't listen anymore. Um, and then finally, make sure that we're setting time to follow up. So whenever we don't set an appointment on the first call because we're using a lead magnet, the, the most important thing that we do is set a time to follow up because what will happen is over time we'll be following up via phone call with those leads that didn't schedule appointments and some of them will schedule appointments. You'll start to see, even with using a lead magnet, you'll start to see your set rate start to get north of that 80% mark again because the, the pipeline will be full. Because the people who called for a book that didn't want to set today, they weren't people who didn't want to do business with you. They weren't people who, who didn't need your services. They just didn't want to do it right now. They wanted to stick their head in the sand a little bit longer. Um, but you've positioned yourself as an authority and you're going to be the go-to person when they make that decision as long as you stay in front of them. So that's how we micromanage or look at micromanaging of setting the appointment, okay? And this is all very important because if we do this right, we're setting up the next two stages. Now, the next two stages arguably are the most important part of micromanaging the client experience. How are we doing on time? Not bad. Let's keep going. When the call was finished, Nancy couldn't believe she had just told a complete stranger all those details, but she had to admit it was great to get it off her chest. And she really wanted these problems to go away, so was looking forward to that book arriving. Just then, Nancy's phone alerted her that she'd received an email from the firm and it contained a PDF to the book. Nancy clicked on the link and it took her to Mr. Jones's website where she'd get a free copy of the book. She was happy to see that it was simple to use and she could even hear more information directly from Mr. Jones. The very next day when Nancy got home, there was a package in the mail and she could immediately tell it was the book she requested and she opened it on the way into the house. The day after the book arrived, just as Gloria promised, she called in to check on Nancy. This time when she offered to schedule an appointment, Nancy said yes. The problem was with her work schedule and nobody to watch Nathan, she needed an appointment at night. Thankfully, the firm had an opening the very next evening and she scheduled an appointment. Gloria confirmed her cell phone number and promised to remind her before the appointment. She also said to be on the lookout for a confirmation email. Well, guess what? It showed up right away. But along with confirmation, there were directions for Mr. Jones guiding her right to the front door. Hi folks, and thanks for joining me today. I'm attorney Robert Jones of the Jones Law Firm. Today we are here so that I can give you clear directions on how to make it to our office. Our office is located in this big glass building behind me. We are on the southeast corner of Richard and Jane Street. Now what you're gonna wanna do when you get to this intersection, just head a little bit south and you'll see the parking garage on the east side of the street. You turn in there, come on into the parking structure, get your ticket, and make sure you bring that up to the office because we're going to validate for you when you leave. Come on in, say hello to the nice folks at the front desk, and just beyond them you will find the elevators going up. Once you're in the elevator, pick floor number 10 and come on up. 
okay, when you get off the elevator, you can go right or left. You're gonna wanna turn right and come on down the hallway and you are looking for suite 1025. When you get to suite 1025, you have reached the Robert Jones Law Firm. Come on in and meet our rock star receptionist who will meet you when you arrive. Welcome, everybody. That next morning, Nancy received a text message from the firm with a link to directions. And while Nancy was at work, Mr. Jones left a message confirming the appointment. Hi, this is Robert Jones from the Jones Law Firm. I'm just calling to remind you about your appointment with us today. If you have any questions or if you need to reschedule, please call us at 555-1212. We'll see you real soon. Okay, so Eric, great question. Um, these samples discuss generating work from individual clients. Will you discuss how this relates to developing leads in B2B? So I think what's important, Eric, is that we know that the language will change in B2B from B2C. Um, but what I think is also important for you to recognize is I do all of these things in my own practice and I'm a B2B firm. So everything I'm teaching you applies completely in a B2B law firm. We just have to change the language a little bit. Uh, some B2B law firms do their consults over the phone. They don't actually meet with people in person. You know, so we're doing a phone appointment. We're gonna, our reminders are gonna change a little bit. Um, but we still have to think about, in all the ways that we're gonna touch them, how are we gonna micromanage the client experience? It, the, the person that's calling your office in a B2B setting still has pain of some kind that they're calling you for. They, whatever it is, whether it's transactional or litigation, and, and you've got to solve their problem. And so you just have to listen to them and you've got to convert them through the 11 steps in the same way that we do. Uh, we use the 11 steps in our office. We change it a little bit for B2B because the language is a little different. Again, language changes, nomenclature changes, the structure stays the same. The fact is we're following through the perfect client life cycle and asking ourselves, how do we micromanage the process? So when we, when we look at this, um, let's talk about getting Nancy to show. What did we learn inside of that video? So here's what we learned inside of that video. So the most important thing you gotta remember is do what you say you're gonna do when you say you're gonna do it. So Gloria told us she was gonna call her back after she got the book and she did. So, so many firms drop the ball in that they, if they, they don't have anybody on the phone making phone calls back to unconverted leads anyway, but if they do have somebody making calls back to unconverted leads, that person, they don't hire salespeople, so they don't think like a salesperson and they don't think about follow-up. Good salespeople think about follow-up. And that's why I want your appointment setter to have sales experience because they'll think about follow-up and they know when they say they're gonna call somebody back, they schedule it and they call them back when they say they're gonna do it. It's so important for your credibility standards. Um, be, congruent, be congruent with your marketing. You know, when the reminders went out, um, the landing page they got went on to get a copy of the PDF, looked at like uh, all of the other marketing. The shock and awe package that went out looked like the other marketing. It was just really important to be congruent all the way through. The book was mentioned everywhere you go. All the marketing was congruent. It builds trust. Uh, arrive like nobody else, uh, the shock and awe. I'm going to actually do an entire webinar on the shock and awe and how to build one and what should be in it. And we'll, we'll cover that another time. But suffice it to say that the shock and awe, whether you're in B2B or B2C, is one of the key tools you can use to just set yourself apart from everybody, you know, sending it out in a unique envelope or making sure that you're arriving to them in a way that's unique. Now, um, we always are toying with ours, changing it measuring costs versus return on investment, looking at our show rates. We're, we're doing all sorts of things to measure whether these things are working. And that's the truth about micromanaging the client experience. We're, we're measuring everything fundamentally against our conversion rates inside the perfect client lifecycle. 
Um, and so the shock and awe is a vital tool for you to arrive like nobody else. Likely your competition does not show up with the shock and awe. Um, you're going to follow up as you scheduled. So um, we want to make sure that, well, I think I covered this in the first one. I guess what I was saying in the do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Um, you know, we said that we were going to send an email. We said that we were going to send a text message. We said that we were going to have call and remind you. Uh, and we did. And so that's kind of what I meant there. And, and, and that including in that is following up when you scheduled it. Uh, make scheduling an appointment convenient. I don't know if you noticed this, but Nancy couldn't meet in the consumer world during the day. Now, again, Eric, for you, you won't have that challenge typically. Business to business is typically done Monday through Friday, nine to five. But in the consumer world, if you're a consumer attorney, you know, having a slot or a couple of slots open a week for people who can't get to you because of work um, it's not a bad idea. Um, in the law firm that I built, um, I, I was open uh, two nights a week and on a Saturday. I ended up dropping it down to one night a week and Saturday um, just because we found out we were able to get as many in there as possible. And and listen, it's not easy to convince attorneys that to get to work nights and work Saturdays um, if you're employing attorneys. That's the truth. But it was necessary and it was wildly profitable uh, to do so. And it was one of the reasons why we were able to succeed when so many others failed. Uh, nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to work Saturdays and, and nights. Um, um, and when you build the systems, you don't have to do it. It's your staff that does it. And they get hired knowing that we're going to do that. Um, and if you have existing staff and you make that change, they understand that this is part of the deal. And they're not always happy about it, but it is, uh, it's part of the gig. So make scheduling convenient. And then use the reminder sequence. Um, so I, I, what I, I think is important is that you um, – you realize that there's an entire sequence of reminding them about their appointment. So we used all of the different senses and we'll, we'll probably talk about more about that in a bit, but just, just suffice it to say, we, we made sure everybody that scheduled an appointment, there was a sequence of an events that was going to happen. They were going to get a phone call. They were going to get an email. They were going to get, um, they were going to get a text message reminder. We were going to send them a shock and awe via direct mail. And we were going to drop a voice drop from the owner of the firm. So we were going to, we were going to cover a lot of ground inside of that reminder sequence. Okay. So micromanaging the client experience inside of getting the show. Now this next section is, is we're talking about once they come in, um, how do they, how do we get them to retain the firm? Um, and I cover the five senses of communication. Don't assume by the way, that they know how to find you. That that's a big one. Um, I almost skipped over it and I'm glad I didn't. Um, you notice there was a directions video in there. Uh, and I've, I tell everybody to do that. Um, now, you don't have to do it like that. I mean, you can do it like that with pictures and still images, but I would just get a camera crew and, and go out and shoot a video on how to get to your office and how to find your office. Um, don't assume they know where you are. If you're in a really, really small town, I guess you can. But even then, why not you know, show up like nobody else and create a little video that just shows them how to get to your office? It's super simple to do, inexpensive. You can almost do it with an iPhone and a decent microphone. Um, that'll block the wind and you can shoot a great video. It shows them how to get into your office. Um, some offices are really complicated to find and even more complicated to find where you are inside the office building. So, um, and, and in my experience is, by the way, your law offices are all oftentimes like car dealerships. You're in the same place. So there might be, you know, six bankruptcy or five divorce firms or 10 estate planning law firms all in one building, sometimes all on one floor. You know, I don't want them wandering around wondering where to go. I want to make sure they get to my doorstep, not go to somebody else's doorstep. Uh, just saying. Okay, 
So now we're at the retaining the firm session. So we're going to talk about re retaining the firm and then we'll, we'll keep moving. I got about 13 minutes left here where I'll finish up strong. What about Google Maps link? Yeah, David, I like Google Maps. I would absolutely have a Google Maps link. Um, I didn't put it in this because it's Google Maps dates itself. And so in these videos, I don't, I don't do that for these explanations. I don't want you guys going, oh, that's old technology. Because as you know, it was called 10 different things already. But yeah, I would certainly give a link to a map if I could inside of all the things that I do. Uh, in the text messaging and, and inside the emails for sure. All right, let's play the video. When Nancy and Nathan arrived at the office, their senses were alive from the smell of freshly baked cookies. Nancy and Nathan were warmly greeted by a woman named Donna. She was professionally dressed and her work area was nice and neat. She offered them a drink menu and asked them if they'd like a freshly baked cookie. Donna walked Nancy and Nathan back to a very nice room with a window. When she returned, Donna brought with her cookies, drinks, an iPad, and a packet for Nancy. She told Nancy what to expect next and asked her to complete out the forms and made sure it would be okay if Nancy allowed Nathan to watch a movie on the iPad. After Nancy completed the paperwork, Donna gathered the information together and said the attorney would be with her shortly. While Nancy waited, she perused the scrapbook with letters from clients and noticed that many clients had similar situations as Nancy did and were all happy with the services of the Jones Law Firm. When the attorney came in, he was dressed in a suit and tie, but he wasn't the attorney from the ad. Nancy was originally disappointed not to meet with Mr. Jones directly, but once Mike McCarthy introduced himself as the lead bankruptcy attorney, and Nancy realized that he was intelligent, articulate, and really seemed to know what he was doing, she let her guard down. Mike told Nancy that he reviewed her case, but liked to hear from her why she was there. After Nancy told her story, she again felt this weight lifted off her shoulder that she got to share. Mike then summarized her situation and addressed her major concerns. He then asked Nancy if the Jones Law Firm could help Nancy solve her problems, would she be willing to let them do that? Nancy said, absolutely. The challenge was Nancy wasn't sure with what her options were. So Mike shared all of her options, some of which were not even filing bankruptcy. In the end, Nancy chose to file a chapter seven bankruptcy. All right, so let's talk about this, right? So there was a lot of things that happened in there. Uh, I wanna unpack them for you. So you kind of get a picture. And I'm on, good. All right, so here's where we, here's where we break down the retaining, retaining the firm. So somebody walked in, they showed to the office, what do they see? So the question is like, how are you micromanaging their experience? So affect all the senses upon arrival. That's the rule, right? So whether it's the magazines that are out, you know, I had a rule that no more than five magazines could be out uh, at any one time um, they, and that they all had to be up to date and I used to take pictures of them and show my staff when they were a mess and drive my staff crazy, but I did. Um, I wanted to affect what they smelled. I wanted to affect what they heard. I want to affect what they see and what they read, right? I want to affect all of it. Um, and I, even down to the parking, I wanted to make sure, you know, that I had special designated parking for them. Um, so any way that I could affect their experience as soon as they came into my uh, place of business, I, I want to do that. Um, I want to offer a, a refreshment. Um, I actually had a list. It was in a nice little leather binder. Um, it just shows that we're prepared. And even if they don't, and it, my, incidentally, my list was crazy. I used to use a Keurig and I had 10 different sodas. It became a little bit much to manage and it really didn't move the needle. So we ended up with Coke, Diet Coke and water uh, and, and coffee. Um, but 
that was it. You know, it didn't have to be any more complicated than that. And the rule was if they said nothing, bring them a water, even if they didn't want it. We were in Arizona, so it's kind of normal for us out here. But offering them a refreshment is just a wonderful way to greet them. Uh, use a doctor-nurse model. Uh, we're going to talk about that more in a whole other session. Uh, that is a sales presentation that I do. Uh, if you're coming to August um, at Partners Club, we're going we're to spend a lot of time on this topic. Um, but for, suffice it to say that the receptionist in, in this role is the nurse in, a, in like a doctor's office, and the doctor is the bankruptcy consultant um, or the attorney. And the reason for that is it takes pressure off each. They each have their roles and they set each other up very, very well. And it makes a difference in conversion. Um, but it also allows you to micromanage in a way that you couldn't do otherwise. So um, the nurse really is doing the heavy lifting in the beginning um, and setting up the relationship and making sure that everything is properly prepared for them to uh, meet the attorney uh, at some point in the future. Um, if, if your firm works with families, um, you, you want to make sure that you've got something for kids. I mean, if you're a B2B firm, Eric, you're probably not gonna have that problem. Uh, you never know. But, um, you know, if you're a consumer-based firm, you should have something for kids. I, we used to have little Etch-a-Sketches. Um, I didn't want iPads walking off, but the little Etch-a-Sketches we had, and, um, you know, I had to buy probably five or six new ones every month because the kids would walk off with them, but so what? Um, put a little sticker, a law firm name on the back, and hey, we got free advertising, right? They were cheap. So have something there for kids. Um, we, we used to have movies with headsets too, um, and we'd have, a, uh, we'd have a, like a range of movies that the receptionist knew that she would put in depending on who was in the, uh, in the reception room. There's another important thing. We, we, didn't, we controlled what they saw, right? Um, we did not have the TV running and allow them to watch the news because who advertises on the local news and on CNN and all those stations? Our competitors do. So I didn't want them seeing our competitors' ads. I wanted to control what they were going to see. So we showed testimonials. Um, we would show information videos about the process where we would show movies. If the kids were in there and they needed to watch a movie, put the headsets on them and let them watch. Um, so we, we really controlled what they said. We also controlled what they read, right? The, the testimonials were in a book. We had testimonials on the wall. We really controlled the process um, so that they walked into a vacuum, right? And that we were going to make sure they weren't distracted by anything else but what we needed them to be present with right then and there, which was their challenge and our solution to their challenge. Um, the doctor needs to dress the part. That's really important, um, I think. Uh, I, I know some firms that will, will you know, conduct business in an IZOD in Slacks, and I'm not judging. I just, I found that um, certainly in Arizona where if you wear closed-toed shoes, you're dressed up, putting our people in a suit and tie really made a difference. We stood out um, where other people didn't do that. Um, I just think it's the right thing to do in a law office. I, I do think you should dress your part. Um, and, and, you know, if you walk into a doctor, I want him wearing scrubs or a doctor's coat or something. I want to know that he's a doctor. If nothing else, he's got a stethoscope around his neck. I need to know he's a doctor, right? I, I just need that feeling. And I think people need to know that they're working with somebody who's professional as well. Again, that's an opinion. I have no empirical evidence that I convert better with suits than I do with uh, IZODs, but it is a pretty strong feeling. Um, uh, and then the doctor follows a structure and a script. Again, the doctor is the attorney or the bankruptcy consultant or the uh, Legal consultant, I'm saying bankruptcy. Again, my business isn't different from yours. This was a bankruptcy firm um, that I happen to use in this example, but we could use this for a DUI firm or a B2B firm or whatever. Um, um, so 
the doctor follows a structure and a script. So uh, Mike McCarthy was following a structure. He was following a script. He had to in order to overcome the distrust because Nancy was being marketed to by Robert Jones. He was a celebrity. He was the author. He was the expert. But Robert wasn't there for whatever reason. He was off on his boat. He was on vacation. He was at court. Whatever, wherever he was, he wasn't in the office. Somebody else was meeting with him. It's the only way I can get Robert his freedom um, is to have somebody else do the work eventually. So if I'm going to have somebody else meet with the prospects, they've got to look the part. They've got to sound intelligent. I got to control what they're going to say to the extent that's not inside the scope of the law. But I mean, in, in a structure of what they're going to say, I, I want to control it the best I can. And so there is a script and a structure to follow. Yes, I, I suggest attorneys in the consult room follow a stru structure or a script. Why? Because you'll convert more. And why do you want to convert more? Because that will allow you to help more people. Because remember, you are the very best at what you do. And they should be, uh, if you believe that you're the very best, then letting them go anywhere else would be an ethical fall off. And so uh, we want to let them work with the very best. And so we have to maximize the number of people that are going to hire your firm. Okay, last one. Uh, this is the end. So, well, we're, uh, we're on two, we're not last one, two more. We have the getting paid and we have uh, referrals. So let's talk. This is a quick one. And so is the next one. But wasn't sure how she was going to pay for it. Mike showed Nancy how they could formulate a payment plan that worked for her, and that once she received her tax return, she could even pay off the debt sooner. With the payment plan behind them, Mike stood up, shook Nancy's hand, and thanked her for trusting the firm, and let her know that Donna would be back in to help with the final detail. Okay, so the payment plan is, many people say, well, how do I get paid? Um, and and if you're a contingency firm, you know, you gotta put this in the parking lot for right now, I get it. Um, but as a non-contingency firm, Let's take a look at this. So any firm that gets paid, here are the rules. All collections start at the point of hire. So you getting paid or getting paid as close to 100% as possible starts with you making sure that anybody who is going to pay you over time in any way, shape, or form agrees to the methodology of the way that they're going to pay you. They need to commit to the amount they're going to pay, when they're going to pay it by, and the method of payment preferably a credit card, or if you're a bankruptcy firm, a third-party credit card or a debit card, right? It's so important that they commit to these things, the amount they're going to pay, when they're going to pay it, and the method by which they're going to pay it. And they do it in writing, right? And they have to do it before they leave the office. And so if they're going to retain the firm, anybody, my rule was anybody could retain the firm for any amount of money down. But nobody could retain the firm without a written signed plan of how they were going to pay the firm. And my rule was I had to have a debit card or a third party credit card. I didn't let them hire the firm with checks or money orders unless they had manager override. And that's when a manager walked in and described to them the process and showed them how we don't do refunds and had the cancellation policy and the whole nine yards. And we try to get them to get somebody else to use the credit card and pay them pay cash to them. Did everything we could to get a credit card on file. It's how we maximized our payment plans. Um, at the end of the day, folks, you could be the greatest lawyer in the world, but if you can't get paid for your services, you are really going to struggle to obtain your freedom. You got to get paid. Okay. So that's that stage. That's one of the ways we micromanage a client experience inside of getting paid. All right, let's talk about this last one about obtaining referrals. This is one simple way for you to start to obtain referrals and put a bow on this um, building a culture of referrals. Donna came in with yet another iPad. She took Nancy's credit card and her driver's license 
and put on a video of the attorney she'd become accustomed to seeing, good old Mr. Jones. He walked Nancy through the process of filling out the client service agreement. And in just around 20 minutes, as the recording was finished, Donna came back in and asked Nancy if she had any questions. She pointed out the best way to contact the firm, what to do with the creditor calls that came in, and gave her a few copies of that book, just in case Nancy had friends or family that were going through something similar. Okay, so there's lots of ways to build referrals. It's an entire session on its own. We've talked about it in previous sessions, but um, for the purposes of this, one of the things you got to know is when you ask somebody to give you a referral, it's a very threatening thing. They often feel uncomfortable about it. They, they're scared to give referrals in case you screw up. They're not salespeople by nature. Um, it's just, it's uncomfortable for you to ask. It's uncomfortable for them to do it. And so one of the easiest ways to do it is to start to use um, the nurse in this role. So they really control the details of this process. So once the doctor left, the bankruptcy attorney left, the nurse came in and wrapped everything up, right? The other thing that she did is she made sure all the paperwork was happening. At the end, she really controlled this idea of referrals. So she used the celebrity factor again because she brought back the book um, and she made sure she reiterated why the book was there and why they wrote it, as well as we created a video of the attorney telling them how to go through their um, uh, client service agreement because we wanted to control that. We want to make sure the same thing was said every single time because pretty much in, you know, we had different uh, videos for different types of case cases, but we had a video that controlled that. So even though the attorney of record, the celebrity wasn't there, um, we had, they saw him yet again explaining uh, the contract in full, page by page. Uh, and then we gave them a tool to refer business. And this is the easy way to do this. You want to make sure you give them a book or, or a free report or a CD, whatever your lead magnet is, as a tool to refer business. See, it's not threatening for them to say, hey, I know you're going through this. Here's a book. It's not threatening for them to say, oh, you know what, I've got this piece of material I think you might find interesting. And then whether they read it or not is up to them. But the, see, if somebody's going to tell you to use somebody else, there's this expectation like, well, what if they, you know, what if I call, they call them and they get bad service? Or what if they don't call them? What does that say about do they trust me or not? And, and if, and, you know, so it's just really a weird position to put people in to give referrals. But when you give them a lead magnet, like a book or a recording, what it does is it just makes it easy for them to share the knowledge about the firm. Now, if you notice, the very first question when Nancy called the firm was, you know, or, or what, pardon me, for Gloria that had for Nancy when she first called the firm is who referred you to our firm, right? So we started the culture referrals there. We end with the culture referrals at the end of the consultation when Nancy hires the firm and give her a tool to be able to refer other people there. So this is a way to wrap the whole thing and micromanage it all the way through. Okay, so that was a lot of content. 203, we're at the end. Some of you are gonna have to run. This is the perfect client life cycle. We've covered all six steps, micromanaging inside of each step. And I have uh, the opportunity, if, if you're overwhelmed, and you know, I think Eric, you may have had a call already, but if you've got questions specifically about how this pertains to B2B, you know, certainly schedule a call. We, we can talk about that. But um, I guess my best defense on that is I'm a B2B firm and I use everything that I talked about today, just changing the nomenclature. Um, if you are curious about how the, the micromanaging the client experience is in your world, you can go to therichardjames.com forward slash PPGP and you schedule some time with us. We'd be happy to invest that time figuring out 
how this works inside of your world and start building a relationship with you. If you have any questions, I'm here. Um, I, there's nothing that's off guard. I'll stick around. I know there's still a number of people on the call. If you have to go you know, take off, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. My name is Richard James. I really enjoyed investing time with you today. Hope that you found value in it. We'll make the transcript and the recording available. Um, in, you know, it takes a time to get the transcript back and put it together. And so whatever, about a week, we usually get it out to everybody. Um, and so we'll do that. If you registered, you'll get that transcript. But if you have a question, I'm happy to answer it for you. You're welcome, Jane. Um, so any, if anybody has any questions, I'll stick around for a few minutes. Um, I hope that you enjoyed today's session. It's uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. And I, and I know that if you put it into play, it will change your practice. What do you think about using, um, refer sorry, my phone rang. What do you think about using referral cards? Yeah, David, I'm okay with referral cards. I think what you mean is like, um, a business card that it says, you know, if you want to refer somebody, you can just give them this card. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So I was, uh, I actually took it a step further and um, I tested not giving away so many books because, so we were scheduling at one point like 35 consults um, a day uh, and we were giving two books away for everybody, you know, whether they hired or they didn't. Um, and, you know, we had about a 60% show rate. So do the math. We were giving away a lot of books. Um, and so it got a little expensive and I, and I just wanted to see if I could change the paradigm a little bit. So I actually made certificates, like bigger cards, like on nice stock, that was an option for somebody to call or go to the landing page and get a free book. Um, and so we started using those instead. Um, you can give somebody a business card that says, you know, give this to somebody to refer us if they have any questions. It just misses out on the authorship, celebrity and expert status. It misses out on the value part of it. Um, it's more like you're asking them to do something rather than giving something. I, I get it. That's a little less threatening, but it's still, Hey, if you need this guy, you can call him here. It still has that question of, well, what if they don't call them? What if they call them and we do a bad job? Uh, if you just give them a book, they read the book and they make the decision for themselves. I did. I, I printed cards that were coupons for the free book. So I had a, I had a bigger stock card that had a, it was a coupon front and back and it was a free, the free book offer. So they could go call the phone number or they can go to a landing page and get a free book. Can you please explain the performance analysis process? Mm, performance analysis process. Deborah, can you be more clear about that? Wh which performance analysis process? inside of what I explained today? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, in, in what, okay. So um, in our personalized practice growth plan, is that what you mean? Yeah, okay. So our personalized practice growth plan. Um, so I did this because I believe that before you ask somebody for something, you should give them something. So, um, in my world, you know, that's my grandfather used to say it like this before you should sit in front of a fireplace and ask for heat, you should put wood in it. And so my version of that is a personalized practice growth plan. I've been doing them for years. I call them strategy sessions years ago. And I came up with a personalized practice growth plan because I noticed a lot of other marketing companies were using strategy sessions and I found it to be a little icky. 
So what you do is you get on the phone with us and, you know, we usually schedule them for about 20 minutes. Oftentimes they take 30 or 40 minutes, depending on your schedule and ours. Um, I've seen them take longer if you've got a lot of questions and we just kind of unpack your business and we look at your perfect client life cycle and we ask you a bunch of questions and do some diagnostics and then we, we do some prescriptions and give you some advice specific to you. Uh, and then if that makes sense and what we told you, you know, resonated with you, then we invite you to take the next step and learn more about our firm. Um, if you don't want to do that, you, we just shake hands and part ways. But if, if you would like to, to learn more about what we do for attorneys and, and the programs that we offer, uh, we ask permission to tell you about that. Make sense? Sounds like a fair way to do business. Yeah, Howard, I don't know what, a, uh, Deborah called it a performance analysis process. We call it a personalized practice growth plan. I think that's what she was referring to. You are on the end of the call. Yes. Don't worry, it's recorded, Howard. The words appear on the top of my screen. Oh, 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 that's from the website. Sorry, it's a screenshot. Yeah, so um, the free law firm performance analysis, okay, I see that now. Sorry, my bad. Uh, that's a, so like, that's like a, a tool for us. People can go through and take, you can take a test. You see how it says free analysis up there? If you went to our website, I think it's still there. It says free analysis. You can actually go through and take an analysis test of your firm and we kind of grade you on where you are based on all of the firms that we went through. That's the analysis tool. Sorry, that's not the same as the personalized practice growth plan. Um, that's a self, you kind of do that on your own. You can go through and take that analysis on your own. Sorry. Didn't realize. A very technical area. You're welcome, Deb. Uh, a very technical area reducing property taxes for disaster property. How do I get clients? Step one. Well, um, so step one. Uh, step one is uh, clearly identifying who your client is. So, like what is your ideal target market? That's step one. Step two is figuring out where your ideal target market spends their time, right? Um, so, you know, people would say to me, well, I would actually say, I think it was five years ago, I said to people, ah, Facebook, right? I couldn't, st I still am not a big fan. I mean, I'm on it and I post pictures of my kids and I'm proud of them and that kind of stuff, but I'm just not a big Facebook user. I'm, there's lots of reasons for it. None of them I'm going to get into here. But at the end of the day, I just didn't see it as a viable tool for my business five years ago. And I, and I was convinced by my current vendor, Robert Stanley from Local Pulse Marketing, that I should give it a try. And uh, I gave it a try. And, you know, my target market is entrepreneurial-minded attorneys who want to have a business as a law firm, a law firm as a business, but were never taught kind of the semantics of running a business. And they want to learn from me. And so that's my target market. Usually one to five attorneys, you know, 250,000 to four or five millions a top. Uh, most, they don't have, you know, they're not, they're not doing things by committee. They're owned by one or two or three people at tops. Um, and you would think, well, they're not going to be on Facebook, <laughs> but they are. Um, so inside of Facebook, I identified my target market and then you can, you can build custom audience in, in Facebook. I'm not saying that's a place to start, but that's the place I started. I had to start first by identifying clearly who my target market was. So for you, uh, Mike, it's first staying, okay, technical area. Well, are you in, you know, what kind of technical area? What do you pay attention to? Is it, is it um, you know, and, and how do you 
where would those people be? Is there a civic organization? Is there a trade organization? Is there, um, is there search terms that they use on Google? Are there books that they read about it? Can you write books? So I'm going to start, once I identify my target market, I'm going to start making a list of all the places where they might be. And then step three is I'm going to start saying, okay, in what way can I communicate with them? Is it paid advertising? Is it newspaper ads or print ads in a trade journal? Is it TV or radio commercials? Is it LinkedIn? Um, in what way can I start to market to them so that I can attract them? And then what am I going to use for my lead magnet? You know, what, what can my book be about? What can my... Um, uh, what can my free recording or my webinar be about? What can I use to educate my potential client as to what it is I do and get them to raise their hand and tell me that they're interested? That's, I hope that answered your question. It's a very complicated question that I'm going to, I answered very quickly, but um, if you are, if you've already purchased, by the way, the Your Practice Master Toolkit, and sorry for me not knowing that, Mike, but if you purchase the Your Practice Master Toolkit, um, I think it's module three. I cover that in large detail. So if anybody's a Your Practice Master Toolkit owner, uh, module three is where I cover that whole topic in great detail. All right. Any other questions? About 12 minutes after. Going once. Going twice. Okay, everybody. My name is Richard James. I hope you had a great time today. I had a great time teaching it. Uh, you are welcome very much, Deborah. And I will see you again next month. We'll have another topic and I will do my best to give you as much value as I possibly can inside of an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Make it a great day, everybody. Build your business better one system at a time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better one system at a time.